Yeah, g'day everyone and welcome to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. We are here to talk everything Gold Coast Titans every single week. Today we'll be recapping our game against the Bunnies. We'll go around the grounds and look at our players in reserve grade, review our team list for this round, and of course preview our game against the Tigers on Thursday. Before we do all that and more, let me welcome in my co-host Blaze from BKR Sport. Blaze, how are you going, mate? Ah, I'm not gonna lie, man. I've been a little bit better before. Uh, it's been a been a tough week, obviously, with uh, us losing to the Rabbitohs. But and you know, we'll get into it today. But with with us, um, it's not about the result of the actual team we played because it is a a, a good team in the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Um, I can handle losses to the big teams, but it's just the way of the repetitive losses that um, obviously have been, uh, you know, making it hard for the fan base and uh, with all the effort that we do put in. So, yeah, obviously we'll talk more about it today, but I'm um, looking forward to getting into it. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully we get the job done over the Tigers on Thursday. Yeah, fingers crossed. That'd be great for everyone involved in the club. Yeah, I agree with you. It is becoming a real, I guess, concerning theme with our season when you look at how great we are in one half compared to... Um, another, but let's recap that game, guys. Just quickly before we do, of course, our aim of this podcast is to always, uh, where we can, spread positivity among the Titans fans and bring us all together. Because at the end of the day, whilst we might have different views on how our team should be or should be going, we all want the same thing for the coast, and that is success. So last week, we unfortunately did go down to the Bunnies 46 to 28. Uh, for me, I pretty much echo your thoughts, players. It's not necessarily the loss that hurts. Um, five tries to eight, you take that against the Bunnies. I look at them as a premiership threat, and I don't put us quite in that category yet, just being completely honest. I don't think well, we're quite yeah, there. Yeah, just, just on that, like obviously the preseason on YouTube, I made them my preseason favourites. A lot of people had the Panthers, Very some cool. people had the Cowboys and whatnot, and I was always thinking that this Rabbitohs team was was primed to, to make a push this year. I still kind of have my, my doubts about them on that long-term level, um, you know, with uh, just a few areas of their game. But overall, you know, I do think that, that team is a very, very good team. So, yeah, look, five tries to eight. Um, obviously, it shows that we can attack. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we got past one of the better defences in the competition. But it just comes down to, yeah, unfortunately, the same way that we lost again. Yeah, exactly right. And to play devil's advocate, I will say how we lost. We're up 22-16 at half time. Another game where we were up at half time. I wasn't quite confident um, just because I've sat through a few of these sort of losses now. So I did definitely have a lot of nerves. And I mean, to really play devil's advocate, they were without Latrell Mitchell and Tom Burgess coming into the game. And they did lose Cameron Murray and Jai Arrow in the game. So I thought there was, if we were ever going to beat the Rabbitohs, uh, I thought there was a lot of reasons why, given those. Uh, but also the fact we were at home for the first time in seven weeks. You were there live, so I want to ask this <laughs> off script for us, but how, how was the um, the crowd there? Was it a passionate bunch there at Seabus? Yeah, so obviously, you know, as a lot of you guys are very well aware, I go to every single game, home or away. So it's been a, a, a real big drag this last seven weeks. And to be fair, the opening part of the season, uh, I think we've only had three home games before that Rabbitohs game. Uh, which was against the Storm, the Dragons, and also, I believe, the Broncos there. I think that's the only three that we've had. So, yeah, it has been a, a big drag, and obviously, we were looking forward to getting home, and we did get home, and that was great. It was a really good experience. However, obviously, out of all, and I said this before the, uh, <laughs> I said this before the game started when I was walking in, seven weeks away, and our first home game is against the Rabbitohs, who have the largest fan base in the NRL. So, we were always going to be outnumbered there. I can tell you, because... 
based on all the years that I've been around this club and, and been on the drums in the front line and whatnot, I can tell you that I can hear the crowd and I know when we're outnumbered. And there's only a few teams that actually outnumber us comparatively to the common consensus online that we get outnumbered every single game. But the Rabbitohs always bring a good number. They've always got numbers around the um, around the country. So yeah, look, we were outnumbered, but we did our best. You know, it was, it was good fun for... The first half, uh, and then, yeah, it wasn't so much fun for the second half, but overall, good to be home, and, uh, you know, the Gold Coast is the best place to live in the world. It is, and I think that's why sometimes teams like the Warriors, Broncos, uh, Rabbitohs, in this case, get such a great turnout against us. I think it's a place where a lot of people move to later in life. Um, no, the Gold to really, Coast you know, is second Auckland. It's Gold Coast is the second Auckland, man. That's why the Warriors yeah. get over here. Oh, no doubt about that. I'll tell you what, I versed some big Polynesian boys in junior rugby <laughs> league on the Gold Coast. It was um, it was a lot of fun looking back, but there was some big boys getting around. Um, that's for sure. I look at the second half and, you know, everyone seems to have an opinion online. This is the problem. It's a leadership issue. It's a coaching change. It's a cultural issue. I can't really put my finger on it. I think even if we're full strength, Tino and Dave didn't just play Origin. Brimson's on the field. Um, and let's say Kieran Foran's there as well. I probably still think the Rabbitohs do that to us. They're just that sort of side where once they start rolling up the middle, Cody Walker is just able to ball play at such an exceptional level, which is disappointing because we did narrow him out in our preview as the man we really need to shut down. And we weren't able to, but did you? how did you see the second half in that regard? Did you think we could have done anything different? I find it very difficult to read our games nowadays because as as long... I, I agree with what you're saying. Like The Rabbitohs were expected to do what they did and they did what they did. However... Again, in the first half, we showed that we are a genuine team. And in the second half, we did the exact same thing that we did with the Bulldogs game, the Dolphins game. Actually, every game. Broncos game, Knights game, uh, every game so far this season, besides when we won against Manly, um, besides when we won against the um, Dragons and whatnot at home and, and the Storm and all that, even though we still conceded 34 points in that game. The fact of the matter is, is that I don't know because it, it's the same thing every single week. So it is just us that is continu- continuously losing these games. Or is it the other team? But I still, because it's so consistent and repetitive, I'm thinking, well, I don't know if that was the other team at all, actually. I don't even, I actually have no idea if it is the other team. I think it is just simply us. And although the other team wins and they deserve their two points because it is us, um, I don't actually know how to read the games and say, you know, commendations on the Rabbitohs for being able to turn that game around or same old, same old Titans, if you know what I'm saying. I know what you mean. And yeah, that's a really great point, actually, because... You can't really narrow out one team as having dominated us in the second half. And for that reason, it does, yeah, it does leave the question to be begged. The only really trend I've sort of been able to pick out, and this isn't 100%, is tries five minutes to go to halftime and five minutes after halftime. We always tend to concede early in the half or late in the half. And I think from a momentum perspective and also just um, like the, the general vibe of the team, how are you feeling? Um, it's never nice to concede a try when you know we only had to defend a few more tackles there. Well, fun I can fact pick that, on that as a one. trend. Fun fact on that mm. one: when I like at the stadium, wherever I am, whether it's with Maddie down there in Sydney or the the away front line, or we're at at home when I'm next to Dano, um, I always look over to the person next to me and I say, "If we concede in this next four minutes, we're going to lose this game." And uh, we do. That's exactly what happens. We concede that that try. Uh, look, the Broncos game is a is a prime example of this at Seabass yeah. Stadium, where you know we were leading, we were doing well, and then as soon as I think it was JC maybe 
uh, who, who tried a cheeky little play with Reese Welsh up in the line, and then it bounced off, I think, Herbie Farnworth, and then Reese ended up scoring, or it might have bounced off Reese, and then Herbie ended up scoring one of the two. Um, you know, and then from then on, the game just completely changed, and that happens so frequent. And I don't believe, well, Manly didn't score before half time, so it's like it just feels like if you get that one negative thing against us, the 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 team just for some reason folds, and it's a it's a mentality thing. And I've spoken to other people about this in the club, and it it, it clearly is a mentality thing right now, where we just unfortunately can't pick ourselves up from a negative moment and then go again like a team like. Uh, the Panthers can absolutely do, or even the Melbourne Storm, even though they've had their struggles this season. So, yeah, it, it, it really is so crucial. And every single time it happens, I'm like, it's done. Um, and, and that's exactly how it goes. I wonder how much of that, that is a confidence thing, because you often hear, oh, he's playing with such great confidence now when we talk about individual players. Could that be attributed as a whole team thing? And, and then in the face, in terms of facing adversity, I know Brett White, when he was the defensive coach for the Raiders, um, did a thing in their preseason a few years ago where they'd play like uh, 30 minutes uh, of like A's versus B's and then they would randomly pluck out like some of their best defenders and leaders like Josh Papali'i, hop out, um, Tarpany, hop out and the team had to defend their try line and that's all they did. If the other team scored, straight back to the 10 metre line, play on. And so for 20 minutes, you'd be defending with less men under fatigue to really get those comms working. I wonder if we've done something similar um, and, and I guess final point on the last tries, I mean, they scored in the 34th minute through Alex Johnston. Yeah. And then we scored in the 39th minute. So it is a fine balancing act of not putting the cue in the rack and really just hoping to see out till halftime, but also attacking at the same time, which as we saw in this game can end up in our favor as well. So, I mean, yeah, I've, I've still got more uh, questions than I do answers ultimately. I think another thing that, uh, and this is when you can see 46 points, just to reiterate, you can never blame referees. You can never blame referees oh, when, you, when you're conceding 46 points. However, another thing that happens, and this has actually happened for this club for about 10 years now, or even you can go back to 2011, 2010, uh, when we were good, is that when, actually maybe not turn 10, we made the preliminary final that year, but when we get one really poor call against us, the entire team just thinks, I feel like it gets into their head and they're like, okay, here we go again. And because it, people always say, other teams, um, commentators, everything, if you have a losing kind of culture in regards to you have a couple of losses on the trot, you get used to losing. And I feel like they've gotten used to this so much on the Gold Coast that it, once that call happens, like for example, the hip drop, uh, from Maweki Fodawaka, uh, mm. you know, around the 40-meter line, which ended up being a penalty. I think it was on Keon Kalamatangi. Now, that's not a hip drop. I lit the ref up in no. that one. Like, I, I, I lit him up and uh, because they actually scored off that immediate set. Kalamatangi, I think, ran the next hit up. I'm pretty certain Kalamatangi ran the next he hit did. up. So, the point of the matter is, is that um, he's obviously gone down to, to milk that. It was no way, shape, or form a hip drop. And then we've conceded, and then we concede again. So, although not blind referees, it is still our fault that we concede that, and it is still our fault to give up that momentum and not get it back. The fact of the matter is, is that these small calls do change games as well to give these other teams, or even us at times, I'm not too sure, but even just every team in general, once you get that small call, you can just make a massive push, and that's exactly what the Rabbitohs did, and um, see you later. And, and that, that goes both sides of the coin as well, because I, I completely agree with you regarding that call. I, I didn't agree with it at all. But I think once we do flick that switch, instead of here we go again from a negative perspective. It could become a, here we go again. Like we know we've got an opportunity to dig in for 60 seconds and get the ball back, which is really exciting. And yeah, on the referees uh, calls, such a tough job. But one thing that disappointed me was, and I'm going back to the Bulldogs game here just quickly, was 
in the first half in particular, people were giving it to us saying, oh, referees on your side, referees helping you. So it's never nice, no matter which side of the coin you're on in regards to that. I want to get your 3-2-1 from the game. Who did you think our best player was? Who's getting three points? Uh, I think our best player still has to be Tina off the bench. You know, there's definitely uh, some other players that I still thought played well despite conceding 46. But uh, I thought Tina Fasomalawi, as per usual, was just fantastic. And, uh, you know, our team is still very young. And he's very young. And although he still has a lot to learn as a captain, um, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, he's young, he's putting everything he can into it and backing up from Origin after a massive performance on a Wednesday in Origin to have, yeah. what, 156 metres in, what, 50 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever it was, was was gigantic. So, yeah, I've got to give it to Tina. And he scored the last try there, which I'm sure people that play Supercoach Fantasy would have loved. Me, didn't matter I too much. Him. Yep. You have him? <laughs> yeah, awesome. Have him, in the context of the game, it didn't matter too much, but it was nice to see him rewarded. Tino, to be like completely vulnerable here right now, Tino is the sort of guy that when you think of a Titan and what it means to represent our club, like you could literally almost cry from the passion this guy has for our club. I, I love him so much. I speak to him after every game and I speak to him all the time, uh, you know, at the airport after the Bulldogs game and I see his emotions. I see how much he mm. really genuinely cares about this club and, um, you know, when I look at what's happening at the club, I have no shape or form blame for him. I think that he puts everything he can out there. And, and I've spoken to, you know, Brimo before, and Brimo's just been like, oh, man, he's just such a leader. You know, he's just such a, mm. a real solid leader. So it's not like he's not um, got the respect of the team to kind of push forward. It just seems there's, yeah, there's some issue somewhere along the line where the team's just not getting up for that second half at the moment. But, you know, once we do, man, once we do, it will uh, it will click. But who's your three? Do you, are you giving the same to Tino? I went Tino as well, just to, to touch on what you said there. Yeah, I hate when he draws the criticism post our games. It's a team sport. And, you know, you look at some of Tino's numbers each week, some of his effort areas and plays. I don't think he could do too much more. Mm. And it's just, you know, this is a guy that's come from the Melbourne Storm system where he's learned from Jesse Bromwich, one of the best props ever. Cameron Smith, Craig Bellamy. He's got a lot to offer for such a young age. Uh, two points. Who's getting the two points for you? Uh, look, there's... Hmm. I kind of, I actually want to go out on a limb here and I want to give it to Tanner Boyd. I know that defensively okay. he did make a few a few errors in this game, but I thought that attacking-wise he'd really improved. And I think that a lot of people lay the blame on us all the time. We, all, we originally had, um, we originally had, uh, not before Ash Taylor, I can't think of who we had, but uh, Ash Taylor was one of them. Toby obviously was one that got hounded. Uh, even Jamal at the beginning was getting hounded. Uh, and then was getting, you know, slapped up just before he left as well. And then when he left, everyone's like, oh, please bring back Jamal. It's like, you guys were also pushing him out in general. Uh, but then we had Toby and now we've got Tanner and people lay the boot into Tan. But I thought he had a really good game and, and obviously set up that first try. Uh, his kicking was much better. And uh, overall, I, I personally would give the two points to him. I know who I'm going to give for, for the one point who you could argue stats-wise definitely should go into number two. Uh, but I just think that based off of all the criticism of Tanner, uh, you can't be scoring 26, 28 points every single week and not have a good seven, you know, a solid seven on the attacking department. So, yeah, I'll give it to Tan. The thing I like about Tanner is, too, he doesn't try to overstep his mark on the team. Hmm. Um, like, I suspect that there could be some more ball playing in him, but particularly when he's beside Kieran Foran, he allows Kieran to run that left side of the field and Tanner's happy to steer the ship and play our right-hand plays uh, where applicable. Whereas some young halfbacks, even like Nathan Cleary, as good as he is now in his second year playing alongside James Maloney, he really did struggle where to interject himself. And I feel like that's a really underrated area of Tanner's game, who did kick four out of five goals. So 
I love the Colbert well, an- of Tanner another too. Thing, another thing on that is that, one, yeah, without him, we don't have a conversion kicker, and he is literally the best kicker in the game, as we said last week. You know, he just does not miss. Uh, but another thing was that I, I noticed, because on the sideline where I was, when the forward passes were made in the second half that really, you know, crucified us and a lot of uh, our momentum trying to go forward to get back into the game, uh, I, I noticed that Tanner was yelling out, I, I believe, this is just what I thought I saw, but I believe he was yelling out mentality, mentality, and trying to, you know, get it back into the team. Like, we need to get this mentality back in or we're going to lose this game. So it showed leadership there from Tanner. And I know he's an incredibly hard worker and he cops a lot of criticism. Um, I love the bloke, man. He is just 100% for this club. And uh, yeah, he cops a lot of criticism, but I thought that was a, a, a real solid game from him overall. And um, although there are still errors in his game that he needs to fix, um, I know he, he works hard to try and fix them. Yeah, big respect to Tanner for that one. While you were talking there, I went ahead and uh, Googled all Titans halfbacks because you make a good point there. Who'd want to be the Titans halfback? Mm-hmm. Titans fans, front line, we've got to get behind our halfback. It's such an important position. We need them playing their best. We had Scotty Prince. Of course, he was never going to draw any criticism uh, with his fantastic form for most of his time with us and also being our co-captain. 2008. Brad Davis played six games for us. I don't remember Brad too much. But see, when, you go, to... back that, when you go back that far, people didn't have the investment yet. So you've got to kind of, I'd probably yeah. say, look towards more of the 2013-14 onwards because at least you've got seven years oh, yeah. of support. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. Um, yeah, like even if Scott Prince had have gone down a different path, I've, I don't feel like people had the same investment like we do now comparatively. Mm. Well, 2013 onwards, we've got Albert Kelly, Daniel Mortimer, Ash Taylor, Riley Jacks, and then Tanner Boyd, um, and Toby Sexton, of course. And then I'm only searching half back through Wikipedia here. There was probably some five eights along the way, such as like an Aiden Caesar that did step into the half. Whereas Kane LG, another one that jumps out. But yeah, it's, it's been a tough all go of being which, in the Titans uh, halves. All of which definitely copped criticism. I think Albie was probably the least uh, amount of criticism that was given. I actually saw Albie at the game on, on the weekend. He's just such a good bloke, nice. man. I love Albie. He's um, still around the club, which just shows how much this, this club still does mean to people, uh, ex-players of the past, even though Albie's played for, you know, the Broncos and the Shark, I think Sharkies and whatnot as well. Um, but yeah, he's still around the club. So no, um, I'd say that Albert was probably the last, uh, the least criticism amount of criticism, but from then onwards, it's just been our seven is the one that gets picked on the most. And whether you believe Tanner's not great or not, I get that, but it's just the, it's a real common theme and trend that regardless of the type of game someone has, you're just absolutely honing on that seven. And the seven is a very critical part of the field, absolutely 100%, but it's, yeah, you get rid of the seven, like people go at Toby and then now Tanner's in and they're like, oh, bring back Toby. You're like, what do you actually want, man? What do you want? Because you, you went at him and now you've got who you wanted. And now, because you he's not Nathan Cleary, you then go and say, um, I want him back. And it's like, it just doesn't make sense. So just support the team. Support the, the seven that's been backed and, uh, you know, get around Tanner Boyd. Yeah, and spot on. One man that just jumped into my mind there, I'm not sure why he didn't appear on the wiki search, was, of course, Jamal Fogarty, mm-hmm. our captain and halfback. Strange, he must be listed as a 5.8 on there. But this is the beauty of podcasting. I'm about to go down a slight rabbit hole before I get to my two points, sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, DCE, uh, you say that halfbacks always cop the blame. Well, he won for the Maroons last Wednesday. People sent in follower takes saying he needs to be dropped. And I started to think, well, who would you drop him for? Kalen Ponga was the most popular answer. Wow. So you can't do much more for... I mean, that sums it up, right? It's always the halfback's fault, win or lose. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aiden Caesar, someone we just mentioned then. I've got a cool story for Aiden Caesar. I remember when Daly Cherevan signed with us and then he backflipped. 
Yeah. I spoke to Aiden Caesar after the, I think it was his last game for the club. It was against the Bulldogs and uh, might've been Daniel Mortimer. Someone kicked a field goal to beat the doggies. If I'm remembering this correctly. We were down 18 nil. We came back to win 1918 or something. I can't remember the exact game. It could have been the game where the most notable one was Reynolds tried to run over the game, at, uh, run over the field at halftime, but threw the ball back in at the last second. He had a brain oh, snap. Yeah. It could have been yeah. that game. Hopefully I'm not mixing up my games here, but I said to Aiden Caesar, look, DC is not coming anymore. We really want you. Please, could you tell the Raiders you can't come anymore? And he said to me, look me in the eye and he said, mate, my, my old man taught me that when you shake someone's hand and make a deal, that's your word as a man. You don't go back on it. So I would love to stay here. Um, but I, I just can't do it. And I, in that moment, even though we were losing him, I just grew so much respect for him and was happy to see him kick on at Canberra there. Uh, but anyway, that's the the the, uh, the loophole over. Apologies for anyone who wasn't <laughs> interested in that. Uh, my two points, boys, I'm going Maweki Fotuaka, a man who, with Jai Arrow, now out of the Origin Series, and Tom Gilbert, has to factor into considerations. Thought he was remarkable for us on the weekend. Outside of Tino, he probably has been our second best middle forward this year. Just all effort for the full 80. Absolute gun. Um, yeah, big mofo to wake. Let me ask you, is he in your predicted Maroon side for game two, or are you going to go down a different route for those bench spots? I think that he has to be, because I originally thought that he was going to get it over Flegler. I didn't think that Flegler would mm. get selected, and I thought Moeki Fodawaka was going to be going straight into that number eight role, but obviously they had uh, different ideas, and obviously Flegler didn't end up even starting. He went to the bench. Uh, I think that Mo brings a lot more X-factor from the bench than uh, Flegler does, and uh, I definitely think that that is a selection, especially with the likes of Gilbert out. Uh, I know Felice Kafusi is a, a direct replacement for him, but, um, you know, Jai Arrow is out, as we said. Um, you know, now I don't even know, because we'll get into this in a bit, but Davey Fafita has got a little bit of a, a bit, little bit of something right now, which has got him out of this Tigers game. So hopefully he's good to go. But it just seems like this last weekend just gone has really impacted origin for both Queensland and New South Wales. Um, so yeah, I, I think that Mo is, is definitely uh, in the equation because when game one, 2021, uh, even though we got slapped in origin in Queensland, uh, we he was our best player. He was clearly our best player by a decent bit. So he's definitely done it before. And yeah, I'd definitely throw Moeki Fodawaker in there. And he's, uh, just to go on with it, he is my um, one point. I have to give Moeki Fodawaker the one point there because he just is so solid, man. You just got to love him. And I think he's had a real big rejuvenation year uh, based off of last year where I guess everyone had a down year but this year Moeki has just really turned it up again for what it's worth this is the way I think Queensland go I think that they move Ruben Cotter to the starting side because he started anyway mm. um, I think their bench is going to look like Harry Grant Lindsay Collins Tom Flegler and Tino Fahasuamala'awi but for what it's worth I think Mo is in better form than Flegler um, question marks around Dave Fafita but I went Fafita and Corey Horsburgh for my back row yeah, Just because like Corey, in my mind, is a direct replacement for Gilbert. They're both usually locked forwards that can play um, at back row when required. Uh, and then I think that does leave the 10 spot. Now, there's a few options here. You could start Christian Welch, or you could start Tino again there, and Tino that brings Mo onto the bench. Yeah, so Tino if, if you think Tino start, then for me, there's no question who I'd rather on the bench out of Christian Welch and Fotuaka. Yeah. If you're going to say career accomplishments outright, sure, I'll hear the argument Welch is the better player. But if we're talking impact from the bench, it has to be big Fotuaka, in my opinion. Mm. My one point, I went Chris Randall. 30 mm. tackles, zero missed, scored his what I believe is his first try for us. And besides that one nasty moment on um, on Jaira, which unfortunately he will miss one week for, outside of that, I thought he was uh, pretty brilliant for us. And especially, uh, in my opinion, a game where he had to be with uh, Verrills coming back. Obviously, mm -hmm. that puts the pressure on Randall there. But 
if we do go moving forward, Randall starts, defends his heart out, gives us those 30 tackles for zero missed, and Verrill's injects with his attack. I don't mind that either moving forward. I think yeah. he's uh, opened up the possibility for that. Chris is Chris was absolutely necessary, man. You know, uh, everyone, again, I think we've mentioned this last week quickly, but, uh, you know, the Greg Martiu to Chris Randall, it, it benefited us greatly. We're not worrisome in the wings. Um, Greg is not a great defensive winger, but he's, an, he's probably one of the best attacking wings in the comp. But we've got that too. You know, our wingers may not be incredible defensively right now, but our attack is obviously 26, 28 points every single week. So we have no worries there. And we just haven't had that backup. So Chris Randall comes in. Uh, when Verrills goes down halfway to the Dragons game. And yeah, he's been a real solid option for us that has, has really helped us out. Um, and it's unfortunate that he's got suspended for this week, but um, you know we've at least we've got Sammy Verrills back now. So they're just kind of interchanging between the two in regards to injuries or suspension between Chris Randall and uh, and Sammy Verrills. And I guess if something happened to, to Sammy, you know, we do have Cruz Leeming there as well. Yeah, Cruz Leeming, that was a guy we spoke about um, last week. We said, you know, how does he get back into the squad? Well, he's got a big opportunity this game to have a blinder and, you know, add another question mark to the uh, hooker equation at the club at the moment. Going through our injury list now on the NRL Casualty Ward, we will look forward to uh, next week and go through our team list. The only injuries I can see that are still active, of course, Jamin Jolliffe and AJ return for us this round uh, would be Fafida with the concussion Kieran Foran with his toe injury and Bo Firmer, of course, with his ACL. So uh, we really are starting to get into pretty good shape there. Mm. We'll go to next week in just one second. Last, uh, I guess, review for the round. This is something we've wanted to do on the show is we talk about our reserve grade sides. Of course, next year, we believe we'll have our own reserve grade side. So it will be more of a natural fit. Uh, but for those that don't know, our feeder clubs are in the Queensland Cup. It's the Tweed Seagulls and the Bears. Um, I'll take care of the Tweed game. Blaze, you go the Bears game. So unfortunately, our Tweed side did go down 34-18 to the Hunters. Uh, but I did find some positives from that in us. Toby Sexton, who could factor into our season, particularly if there's injuries or if, if um, anything was to happen at all. Toby did score a try and he had 15 tackles for zero misses. So a really good effort by him there. And Joe Vuna in the uh, match review that was written by the Queensland Rugby League staff writer, he called out Joseph Funa as our best player and said he matched it physically with the uh, the big and strong PNG forward pack. So awesome work there. How did our uh, Burley Bears go? Yeah, look, unfortunately, uh, the Bears did lose as well. This was actually the pregame uh, to the, the Titans and the um, Rabbitohs game there. So I did get to oh, watch cool. this one. Uh, but they did go down 36-22 to the Magpies. And the Magpies, that was actually a battle for the top of the table because the Bears were first uh, and the Magpies were second. And now the Magpies are first and, and, and the Bears are second. Um, you know, it's only separated by about 14 points differential there. So it's definitely uh, all well and truly on there. Uh, but yeah, look, overall, look, Alec is playing well again. I, Alec is still playing well. We spoke about this last week. Scored again. Um, 100 plus meters and 30 tackles. Uh, he's been fantastic. Uh, Mamalo had a double, 160 meters, most of anyone in the game. So uh, overall, man, look, I'm still very confident in how Burley are going this season. Uh, they lost to a very, very good team. They've actually both, both the Magpies and the Bears have scored 328 points, exactly the same uh, for um, this year. Against wise, it's just that the Bears have given up 14 extra points. So uh, these two teams are going, um, you know, tit for tat right now. The only team that has got a better uh, scoring uh, points than them in the Queensland Cup is the winner, Manly Seagulls, with 330. Uh, however, they've given up an extra 50 points on defense, and they're down there in sixth. So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm still pretty confident in the Bears. Uh, and in regards to the Tweeted Seagulls game, you know, 
Uh, that's obviously that was also in Papua New Guinea. Well, a really tough place to go. You, know, you can't. Yeah, that that was up there. And obviously, Hunters fans are just they they love their rugby league. Obviously, we've heard that potentially uh, Papua New Guinea are going to be the 18th team uh, in 2026. So they're going to start to rile up, <coughs> rile up. Sorry, uh, get pumped up. And uh, yeah, but I'm still very confident how the Bears are going. And I hear you. I like it a lot. All right, with that in mind, guys, let's leave last week in the past. Let's look completely forward to next Please, week. Let's, let's leave last week in the week. past and never, ever think about it again. <laughs> That's it. It's a fresh week, Titans fans, and uh, we've got a big game coming up Thursday, which I can't wait for. Let's go to our team list. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, you will see that pop up on the screen for those that might be listening as a podcast. David Fafita is the big exclusion for us. He's being rested due to delayed symptoms with his concussion. So he passed his head injury assessment on Saturday, but because of the short turnaround and the fact that he could have to play Origin, the club's made the precautionary decision just to stand him down. So that means Cleese Haas and Joe Stimson are our back rowers. Brimson returns ahead of schedule from his hamstring injury, which I'm really excited for. Nervous, just because hamstrings are so unpredictable, but, you know, touch wood, Brimo's got this. And he's at fullback for us. So that means young gun Keanu Kinney is uh, into reserves. And Jaden Campbell remains at 5'8". Uh, I like that a lot. Jaden's shown some really promising things in attack last game. Brian Kelly, he comes in at center. So that means Philip Sammy goes to the wing. And Jojo Fafita actually drops out of the side. I think that's a little bit unlucky. And, of course, Chris Randall, we touched on it before, banned one game for dangerous contact. So Sam Verrills takes over the nine. That means Cruz Leeming takes over that bench spot. And Jamin Jolliffe is back. Our hey, big Jimmy. Irish international. Big Jimmy. We love him. Mate, what do you think of that team list? Anything surprising to you? Anything you like, don't like? Give us your thoughts. Yeah, look, I think that just to quickly go over uh, Keanu Kenny's debut against the Rabbitohs there, obviously AJ has come back in now, the Brimdog Millionaire is the fullback. I thought that Keanu did well considering that it was his debut against a really good team. Uh, obviously, was never going to be perfect. If you're taking on a team like the South Sydney Rabbitohs who can just put points on, you know, they've got guys like Cody Walker there and, and, and Cookie and whatnot that just tear you up. And I thought Keanu was very, very solid. Uh, so I'm really excited to see his future when he gets more of a crack. But obviously, the big thing with our club right now is that we do have effectively three fullbacks. And this is the thing with Jerome Buller that people keep going, oh, why would the Titans get rid of Buller who's gone to the Tigers and is killing it? Um, you know, he was never going to get a go. We've got AJ Brimson, we've got Jaden Campbell there, and also Keanu Kinney. I am uh, somewhat surprised that uh, Justin has left Jaden in that six, but I'm also kind of happy that he's left Jaden in that six because one game does not define him as a player, and I still believe in him as a six. But it was, uh, it wasn't the greatest game there for JC. He's going to be a harsh critic on himself as well. Uh, but I do believe in him. You know, I know that he's 100% for this club. Uh, and then AJ Brimson in that fullback. But I'm surprised that I would have thought that Justin was actually going to put AJ into that six like he was last year with Tanner, where we were starting to get a couple of wins uh, later on in the year. Uh, but I do, I just do still like that. But yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for for Keanu. Uh, but he will get his turn. You know, he's just got to wait, wait his turn out. Uh, and then yeah, with the the forwards, it is unlucky that Davy Fafita is is not there. But at least now we've got Sammy Verrill starting in that hooker role, who is our preferred hooker. No disrespect to Chris Randall at all, uh, but Sammy Verrill was the man that we actually did go out of our way to sign to to fix a lot of our issues. So Sammy Verrill was was fine on the weekend when he came off the bench um, for a little bit, but. Uh, overall, be good to see him start there. And uh, yeah, we see Cruz come back into that interchange. But obviously, the big one for me, as I really went over last week, was Jimmy Jolliffe. He was running for 200 meters preseason. Uh, he is just such 
a beast of a player and we've really lacked that kind of physicality uh, with a guy like that to come on so what Tino and, and Mawaki are off well we've still got Jimmy Joloff to come on there uh, so yeah no I really like that personally for me I still believe that uh, Joey Stimson was killing it in the preseason as well in the front row um, I would have preferred to, to you know have him in a, a more of a front row area rather than starting that back row uh, I, I think he's a great player when he's when he's that prop um, but I still just have a little bit of concerns on the edge there so overall I like the team but uh, you know yeah Jojo would feel unlucky he definitely feel unlucky there it was a it wasn't the greatest defensive effort there against the Rabbitohs, but then again, every team goes up against that left-hand edge of Alex Johnson and whatnot. There's a reason why he's the fourth highest try scorer in the entire history of the NRL right now, uh, because the Rabbitohs always love going down that side. And unfortunately, Jojo got caught out. I don't know if that's the reason why he's gone, but you know, Shuppy and BK, Loffy and, and Philip Sami, I can't really complain with that backline. Would you agree with what I said? Yeah, agree with majority of points there. Actually, I'll we'll circle back to Keanu Kinney. 19 runs for 135 metres. Most runs, most metres of any of our backs. So really impressive for someone in his first game. We've got to you know respect that as fans and, and appreciate that. For Brimson, returning at fullback, I always thought we'd return Brimo at 14. Just to, and that's not to say that that's his long-term position. Of course it's not. He has to be a starter. But just because of the soft tissue injury and the... The nature of hamstring injuries, where if you do it once, you are you you are immediately much more chance to do it again. But I guess with four and out, that's the cards that we've been dealt. So we've kind of have to go with that. I agree with Stimson as well. I think he is more of a middle forward. But our question is, who else do we really have to fill that last back row spot? Could it be Aaron Shop? And maybe Jojo comes into the centers or Phil. I'm not yeah, sure. Well, Shuppy was uh, playing for Tweed. That's what I think we mentioned last week. Uh, Shuppy was playing for Tweed in that back row. So maybe they've been trying to, you know, push him to, to be in that for a future role. I'm not too sure. But uh, yeah, look, I think that, uh, look, again, this is no shot at, at uh, Joey Simpson. I just think he's being played out of position personally right now. And uh, him coming off the bench in that prop role would be, would be brilliant. As we saw in the preseason that he was really, really doing well. So, um, yeah, I just I, I think that would personally be better. But you, you're not wrong. There's not a great deal uh, in regards to like you can't really you couldn't be starting Cleese Haas and Isaac Fasul Malawi right now. That is a complete you know rookie debutant back row, and you're going up against guys like Isaiah Papali'i and John Bateman this week, who mm. are very very experienced. Isaiah Papali'i has been one of the better back rowers in the game for a while, and John Bateman is just he's been one of my favorite players to watch for the Tigers this year as well, Johnny Bateman. So. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's maybe that's our least depth area in the club right now. Uh, would be the back row because we do have plenty of depth everywhere else. Um, every, pretty much everywhere else. It's just that unfortunately that back row, it, we do have those two rookies there, and you can't have them both starting. So I guess that's what we have to do this week. Um, but personally, if Davey was playing, I would have put Dave into that. Uh, you know, the eleven, and then Cleese Haas in the twelve, and then I would have had Joey Stimson coming off the bench. Yeah, I think Joe Simpson's work rate's so so high that it is suited to the middle there, especially once um you know fatigue sets in and you can miss a tackle. Being in the middle there, of course, there's you know greater chance that it leads to opportunities as opposed to an edge. You reference that we don't have much depth in the back row, and and the depth that we do have is inexperienced players. And I had a look through our team list while you were talking. Really, the only other person that jumps out is uh Jacob Alec, who's yet yeah. to debut. So yeah, I think back row is our most lean spot. And I've got to be honest, that's the area that I've written down when I look at this Tiger side where I'm most nervous is their back row. I think they've got a real edge over us with Isaiah Papali'i and John Bateman there. I feel like our middles will match up well. Utu Ikamanu, Klemmer versus Fotiwaka and Fasul Malawi. That's a big battle in the middle. 
Sam Farrell's an Appy Coruscant. We know they're both attacking hookers, but when you get to that edge, there's just a little bit of a, I mean, and I, I'll say this with greatest respect to our back rowers who are backing all the way. Papali is a New Zealand international and Bateman's an English international, right? Mm. They do have an edge there, I think, in that regard. Bench is pretty similar. I think I think we might even have a bit more spark off the bench, if I'm no, absolutely we, honest, between Clark and Joloff. We have definitely more spark on this bench, yeah, for sure. Cruz, um, yeah. I, I believe, is, is better than Jake Simpkin there. Uh, Aaron Clark, Jimmy Joloff, and Isaac Fasul Malawi. Uh, I think that they... Co- collectively, Aaron Clark, obviously, when he comes on, he's like a little bulls area. Um, I love what yeah. he does. Obviously, just just throwing this out there, this is on the other team here, but if Alex Twal scores this week against us, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself because, obviously, mm-hmm. guys, if you don't know this, Alex Twal has never scored a try in rugby league before. It's obviously like a, a bit of a cult hero figure at the moment. I can't, I can't do it. Not at Seabus, please, because that would that would do us. Like I don't, I don't know how to, how to survive that one, Clarky. I wouldn't know how to survive that one. Um, but I just think that yeah, Jimmy Jolliffe has it has it over the top there as well. And and you know we got that uh, youthfulness in Isaac Fasil Malawi. And look, all credit to the Tigers, but I just feel like our bench is actually a, a, a sizable bit uh, more superior. Yeah, no, you know, maybe I was giving him too much respect. Guys like Seyfarth and Twal, they're going to come off and they're going to defend really well. That they can promise. But I think, yeah, looking at it from an attacking perspective, Cruz, more of an attacking hooker, as is um, Aaron Clark, Jolliffe, and and Big Isaac there, who scored his first try last week. That's a team list. Let's get on to the game itself. We're against the Tigers Thursday, back-to-back games at Seabus Super Stadium. Odds makers have us as slight favorites in this one. Recent form, we beat the Tigers 22-10 to 10 in round one. That was at their home ground in Leichhardt. Um, and as for their recent form as a club, they uh, they lost by one point to the Raiders last round. The round before that, they thumped the Cowboys 66-18. Mm. And uh, the round before that, they lost 20 nil to the Rabbitohs as well. My immediate reaction, I think it's a winnable game for us. I've got great confidence coming into this one. And you, certainly if you look at... This game a month ago, it, it was a bit of a gimme game for most sides. A freebie, if you will, with the, how the Tigers are traveling. It's no longer that way because the Tigers have been resurgent, which is kind of ironic because I view this game as our chance to become resurgent and really put to bed these woes in the second half and really come out with momentum following this game. Am I being too optimistic or do you see it that way as well? No, I definitely think that uh, we are required to actually win this game. I think that it is a requirement. The competition is way too close this year to be losing to and to, to the Tigers. I know people might not necessarily like that I discredit the Tigers like that. But with that being said, they are the current wooden spooners from last season and are still in the bottom four there. So this is a win that you really should be required and expected to be winning if you want to be any kind of competitive going into the finals of 2023. Um, that's not you know disrespecting your club. That's just looking at the table and looking at last year's table and putting two and two together there. Um, the Tigers, obviously, the, the thing that worries me is that they've been more of a second-half team this year, and obviously, we have been literally the best first-half team in the competition. So we would, uh, let's hope and, and, and pray and touch wood that we don't do another you know situation where we go into the second half and, and lose our mentality again. Um, you know, And then, obviously, the Tigers are a team that can come back, but... I believe that we could put we could put a a decent you know performance in that first half where uh, we can then transition in and then recognize where we've gone wrong in the past. Hopefully, like we've gone through it so much now that we recognize where we've gone wrong so much in the past, and we just kind of really push through this one. And if we can do that here against a Tigers team that has got a big forward pack and has got a little bit of a you know, good recent record. I know the Raiders game, they were still pretty average for 68 minutes before they had seven minutes worth of Jonathan Thurston-esque Luke Brooks, right? So 
Um, and that's not me having to go at Luke Brooks. I think that he is a good player just elsewhere personally. Um, but he can t- really turn it on at times. So it does scare me going up against this team that does fall apart in the second half. So yeah, look, I, I definitely believe this is a requirement win, especially with the uh, the general vibe around the club right now being so you know, upset, sad, frustrated at the continuous similar result. Uh, not the loss, just the similar way of losing. This is a must. We cannot go in at first half up and lose at the end of the game because this will just really destroy a lot of people. So I uh, really need this one to be a critical win that pushes us to, to go into the, I think, our next game after that, maybe against the Bronx. Well, mate, there's nothing disrespectful at all about you. what you said. The Tigers are on 10 points on the ladder. The uh, We go as high as seventh place on 16 points. So three wins could have them as a top eight side, such is the nature of this competition. Up until round nine, the Tigers had not won a game this year, but there was this strange stat where they'd won uh, the collective second halves of those games. And watching them, they were certainly improved in the second half. That's what makes me nervous is this year, we've been a first half team. They've been a second half team. And we do seemingly have a weakness they might be able to exploit there. So just to be completely transparent um, with our viewers, I won't feel comfortable in this one until the final whistle goes. Absolutely. No matter how far ahead we are. Um, You know, they had that game against the Raiders. They scored three tries in the final 10 minutes in the field goal. They do average 31 tackle breaks. That's the fifth highest in the NRL. So they can attack well. Where the Tigers have struggled a little bit this year, particularly towards the start of it, was they'd get down the other end and they just couldn't polish the set. They couldn't get that repeat set. They couldn't get that final pass. So, you know, defense is, it goes without saying, but defense is extra important in this one, particularly around that goal line if we're going to have any chance. And 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 the thing that's really impressive with the top sides this year, Blaze, you would have noticed is the goal line scramble. Um, the Broncos-Sharks game is the example that jumps out to me. How many tackles did the Broncos miss and the Sharks just couldn't score because the scramble was there. I think that's the exact attitude we need on Thursday night. But see, we had this, and we had this against the Tigers in round one when we were down there at Leichhardt. When I was there, it was a, a tough game. Like, we won the game 22-10. Uh, I think that was the score. Uh, but it was a, a tough game. We were on the defensive back foot the entire game, pretty much. Uh, and it gave me a lot of confidence for our season, regardless of who we were playing, because we were able to have that scramble. We were able to defend collectively. And I spoke to Brett White afterwards, and I said, this team looks like it's got a good you know, defense in it, and it looks like you're doing a really good job there. Obviously, that was before we then went on for the rest of the season, and we've had those issues. But overall, the last time we really had that real solid collective defensive effort was actually against the, the Tigers back in round one at Leichhardt. So it does give me a little bit of confidence there. Um, and, you know, as as fans, all we can do is is, is support this team. And um, as as much of a tough time as it is, I know this team has has the genuine ability to, to be great. It really does. Um, and that's why I'm the last person to leave the stadium, usually, uh, every single game. I wait until Justin comes out. Justin didn't come out until two hours after the game this week. So I waited there with Antonio right to the end. I spoke to the boys. I spoke to Justin. And, you know, we're all very collectively believing in what this team can provide. Uh, and I know that this is a game that we should be putting to the sword. And really, it should be our clinical game that we just take away from them. Mate, I love that passion. It's it's almost unrivaled across any other NRL fan base. And as Titans fans, we are, we are very lucky to have someone like you with our club. That's amazing passion, to be completely honest with you. I think for this game, we saw what they can do once they get a roll on with the Cowboys game. Now, I'm not sure how much of you can attribute to that of the Cowboys just being shocking, but certainly when they score on 66 points, I think it was, Mm -hmm. 
there's they can roll on with some attack. And, you know, the final 10 minutes against the Raiders, the Panthers win. The Tigers have had some brilliant moments this year. It's our job to make sure they don't have them against us. So I went to set completions. Uh, they currently completed 1% higher than us. I wasn't too concerned with that stat at all. But I tell you what, like I literally almost fell off my chair. I'm not kidding you. The Tigers have missed the least amount of tackles on average across the league this year at 23 per game. Yeah, that's How? crazy. Yeah, that's, that's actually How? a bad stat. Yeah. Because they didn't win nine games in a row, but yeah. they still missed the least amount of tackles. It's, I mean, I don't know I don't know what to make of that. I can't make sense of it. It's What I would say... There must be an error. Well, if you go back and have a look at their early games, they weren't actually getting completely blown off the park, the Tigers. Like, everyone obviously mm-hmm. memes the Tigers and laughs the Tigers. And, and look, kind of fair enough as well, because they have been really poor the last few years, um, or 13 years since they last played the finals in 2011, 12 years. Um, so they are justifiably memeable at this point. However, this year there has been a real push. They're very similar to us in the offseason where they've really focused on a lot of um, their forward areas. And um, I feel like they went out and bought some really, really solid forwards. It's just their back line that really does usually lack. So if they can find a back line to lack, if we can find our uh, defense to click, we are genuinely a top top three team in my opinion. I genuinely believe it because um, we are undefeated in the first half. If we can continue that defense into the second half, we're a top three team. Uh, but unfortunately, that's what we need to focus on. And for the Tigers, it really does come down to their attack um, because, you know, when they're, they're one through seven, not a great deal of those players would actually get too much of a gig at other teams. So um, that's what they need to work on uh, is their attack. And if they can get that going, you know, our defensive unit isn't fantastic. But then again, they better be on their best defensive game because our attack is still able to put 26 points past the Rabbitohs, 26 points past the Broncos. Um, who obviously were very scrambly against the Sharks there. So we've still got that real big benefit of the attack. We just, I don't want to be conceding more than, I, in an ideal world, I don't believe we should be conceding more than 14 points this week. We scored 26 against the Rabbitohs, didn't we? Yes. There's something about that number this year. Points. Oh, 28. Okay, sorry. I was going to say, because there was that game of five in a row. We scored 26. Was that the number? Yeah, that's, and we only won two of those stuff. games, mind you. Oh, God. Yeah, the, the points are there. But I'm really excited for this one. I remember coming into round one. It was a fresh season, so there was a natural excitement there. But the Tigers had made some nice signings. We'd made some nice signings. And it was a chance to prove, you know, which sides could go on with it this year. We got the chocolates that day. Um, and now both these teams are meeting realistically mid, just past the midway mark of the season. So it's a really great test to see just how far we've come since that round one uh, win over the Tigers. So I'm really excited for this one. And I would encourage anyone on the Gold Coast to get down to see us and get behind our team, I think we can win this one big time. Yeah, just on that, obviously it is a tough time slot. The Thursday night time slot with the school day worked out the next day as well. Obviously, uh, I think it starts at 7.50 or 8 o'clock on Thursday night. So it's still a bit of a struggle to get home after work and then get to the game. It's like even the Friday games, you don't see people really start to kind of get into it until 8.10, 8.20 afterwards. So um, yeah, obviously the Tigers won't have a, a significant fan base there um, and it will be even difficult for the locals with the work and whatnot but if you are on the gold coast like please come and support us i will be there i'll be there since gates open i always am uh you know it's all about just kind of standing by this club right now i know that there are fans who are 
you know, willing to stay home and watch it because they don't want to, to fork out all the money to, to go and support the team when they feel like the team's not doing enough. Um, but for me, all I can do is say that I'm going to be there uh, and hope that you guys are going to be there. I'll be on the drums. You'll hear me on the TV as you guys always do. I always get messages on BCAR Sport on Instagram, people saying, oh, we can hear you chanting. They, they can literally hear my voice even at away games. They can hear it on the TV. So, yeah, um, yeah it's I just uh, all I can do is get to the game myself. And by doing that, hopefully I encourage other people to support this team as much as, as they possibly can. But I know it's not easy on a Thursday night as well, but you know we have an opportunity to really outnumber the uh, the Tigers fans there because they don't usually bring a great deal of an audience up regardless of the day it's on. Uh, so yeah, we've got a great opportunity to make this stadium really loud this week. We do. You know, one team, one dream, one community. I know it sounds cheesy, but if you can't get down there, get down there. Our team needs everything we can get. And myself living in Canberra, I'm going to be transparent here. My hands are in the air. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening, you don't know what I'm doing, but I will be going to the Raiders game on Friday night for Crocus 300th, but that's because I live in Canberra. Otherwise, I would certainly um, be at our game, but I think that's pretty much uh, our assessment or our preview, rather, of the game. Let's get into the final section of the show. So we're going to close out the show, if you guys missed our inaugural pod, with a Q&A each week. Now, the way you ask questions is through our Facebook group. It is the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. So if you type that into Facebook, that'll pop up each week. We'll have the questions on there. Um, if you're on YouTube, your question will get brought up. If you're on a podcast, we'll give you a shout out before. Question number one, I'm going to go to you straight away, Blaze. Love this one from Bilson Manhurl. He said, should the club pursue Ben Hunt or stick with current halves? Now, there was rumors this week through, I believe it was News Corp newspapers that us and the Raiders are interested in Ben Hunt. And when he was asked after Origin, what does your future look like? He said, ask me in a week and I'll have another idea. I'll have an idea, sorry. He didn't come out and flat out say, Dragons, mate, I'm contracted. Mm. He, he seems like he might be leaving the door ajar. Your assessment of that question, should we pursue him or not? I think that it can't hurt, for sure. You know, we've got two young halves in, in uh, Toby Sexton, uh, Tanner Boyd, and then there's even Tommy Weaver there uh, waiting in the, the, the wings as well. Um, obviously, Kieran Foran's at the club, and he is, has been fantastic in regards to helping these guys learn and whatnot. However, it's Ben Hunt. Like, Ben Hunt is one of the better players in the game. I know he's 32 years old now, so he's no young pup anymore. Uh, but I do believe that, obviously, he's a Queenslander. He wants to come home to Queensland. I don't believe that he would go back to the Broncos with how you know their fan base did treat him after that 2015 uh, knock-on in the grand final. Uh, I don't think the Dolphins would be looking into him. And the only other team in Queensland that I could see would go for him is, is the Cowboys, but with, with Jake Townsend kind of going on the outer there in the next couple of years. But they're both a similar age, so I don't feel like that would be necessary Uh I don't understand why he would personally go to Canberra, but that's just my personal belief. Like, if you're going to live on Gold Coast, you can live in Canberra. No offense to you, Kalagi, um, but uh, <laughs> I, I would prefer to live on the Gold Coast, and especially considering it's Queenslander. So I think that it is absolutely a win-win scenario there, uh, especially when um, he would just bring a, a, a real large amount of quality to this team. And as my, I love Tan, I love Tobes, and I love Tommy Weaver. Ben Hunt is Ben Hunt. So that wouldn't be for a long time because, again, he is 32 years of age. But I absolutely think to to throw a large chunk at him, yeah. And you know what? I think you can rule out Townsville. He has family from southeast Queensland. Mm. I think you can rule out Cowboys. I have a mutual friend with Ben Hunt, and he actually told me, and I believe I can say this now because sort of the, he's already signed at the, or re-signed at the Dragons, that he really wanted to come home. Mm. And that was what he told me. He pretty much is coming home. And it was around the time that News Corp newspapers started rumours that the Titans are looking to sign someone who's a well-known player, but he won't play his usual position. 
And I believe they were alluding to Ben Hunt and Hooker. So I'm not sure how close we actually got, but I do give the Dolphins a chance. I think that they would throw some decent coin at him just for his standing in the game and the fact that he could really mentor Isaiah Katoa there as well. So if he does want to leave the Dragons, I think it's between us and the Dolphins personally, living in Canberra, mm-hmm. uh, with the greatest respect to any Canberrans <laughs> that might be listening. But look, here's the thing, Blaze. When champion halfbacks become available, you sign them. The Broncos did it with Adam Reynolds, knowing that they would, you know, potentially, well, they did end up losing Tom Dearden. The biggest one that I can ever think of, was Mitchell Pierce a bad player? No. Had he won premierships with the Roosters? Yes. Was he a rep player? Yes. They signed Cooper Cronk because he became available. When champion players, particularly spine players, become available, you've got to sign them and you've got to make it work. Whether that, look, whether that looks like Tanner Boyd coming off the bench at 14 for two years why Ben Hunt's here, whether that's Sam Verrill's coming from 14, Ben Hunt at hooker. I don't know how it looks. The I thing is know. with with Tan and, and Toby, um, who I know really well, I don't personally know um, Tommy Weaver a great deal well, but I know Tan and Toby uh, really well there. I know that they are 100% here for this club. So I know that they wouldn't find it like offensive to to come and say that you know, Ben Hunt is a is a real large necessity because I know these guys absolutely love and adore the Gold Coast and what we're trying to achieve, and they would do anything to to help this club out. So, um, I uh, yeah, I, I believe that they would be supportive of the fact that you know, if that's what the club needs to do, then that is what the club needs to do. As long as they're being taught and transitioned, um, you know, one of them into that role in the future, and potentially even both of them. You know, Tanner could be that seven, and Tobes could be that six once Kieran Foran goes, because again. We'd be going really like older in the halves with Ben Hunt the seven and Kieran Foran in the six there, um, but with the, fa- the fact of the matter is, is that they would be you know mentoring these guys Tommy Weaver, Toby Sexton, and Tanner Boyd. Spot on. I mean, you look at Reynolds at the Broncos. The importance of having uh, a captain halfback that's experienced, that's um, that that's done it all, like Ben Hunt has, and 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 Reynolds. The whole team seems to lift around them. So I'm going to say yes as well, Bilson. But uh, of course, it is salary cap reliant if it's you know at the expense of losing uh let's say back rowers where we're already short on i would say no Mm. but if it's within our salary cap and it it balances out then for sure i think you've got to go after champion players when they become available and next question was from kennedy 23 on instagram he said are the titans genuine contenders in the next five years i'm going to say yes i'm not sure how much of that is optimism as a huge titans fan uh, but I do believe in this club. I do believe in the direction we're headed. I like some of our recent signings. I like some of our work in the uh, back of office department. We've got new coaches coming in like Whitey, who we've seen at the Raiders can take teams to grand finals with his defensive structures. Um, Holbrook's won premierships in the Super League. So, yeah, not sure how much of it's optimism, Blaze, or how much of it's bias, if you will. But I do believe we're headed in the right direction. And I could see a world where in the next five years, when players like Tino, Dave, all more experienced, um, AJ Brimson, more experienced, could even be our captain at that point. Mm. Uh, a co-captain, sorry, with Tino. I I look at it in a very positive way. I, I think we could do it. How do you feel about that question? Well, you know what I'm going to say, because I 100% believe it. Yeah. I've, and I I originally thought the trajectory that 2023 this year was actually going to be the a year that we were genuinely starting to push up. I said this back in 2020. And honestly, we have all the... 
I would say recipe to actually make it a really successful year this year uh, based off of our first halves and, and how the club is as a whole. But unfortunately, just something hasn't clicked just yet. But we still have that ability with that run home later on in the year to show how quality we really are. So within the next five years, you know, we've got that Queensland Cup team that we would have had that we spoke about last week and, and today as well. We would have, you know, the the general community. We've got Marsden, Tweed, uh, sorry, Marsden, uh, PBC and Keebra, those young guys coming oh, yeah. through. Uh, you know, Steve Mitchell is great, Dennis Watts great. You know, we have a we do have a great club here and we are building towards something. It's just that unfortunately right now it is one of those real frustrating periods where we know it's this close. Like it is literally this close. Everyone has this same viewpoint that it is you know, we're thirty I said this to one of the staff uh, over the weekend that we're thirty minutes away from winning a premiership. Like I genuinely believe this team is thirty minutes away from winning a premiership because up until the fiftieth minute we are fantastic, and then we unfortunately just drop off a cliff. Actually, no, I think I said that to Justin at the end uh, that night um, that we're thirty minutes away from winning a premiership, and we all laughed. And uh, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, if it isn't for that, and I know that the game is eighty minutes, but the fact of the matter is, is that when we're literally this close to being really, really competitive and and significantly relative, uh, relevant, sorry, to the competition. So yes, I believe within the next five years. We definitely have the ability uh, to to win the competition. And I remember last year, or maybe a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, uh, I think it might have been Steve who came out uh, and and said that by 2030, was it that we needed to win two premierships or was it one premiership? Two premierships. And I think it was an NRLW one as well was the goal. Well, we have a good NRLW team this year. We do. We'll speak about NRLW uh, when the season starts, come back more around. But uh, yeah, you know, Steve did say that we were going to win two premierships by 2030. We've still got seven years before the end of that. And look at Penrith, 2019, no one thought anything of them. And then bang, 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 grand final 2020, two um, grand final premiership winning teams in 2021, 22. So yeah, within the next five years, I absolutely believe we can. Mate, can you see my second monitor right now? Because while you were talking, I brought up Penrith's uh, history of the ladder. Um, and I was going to make the point to feed onto what you're saying. I think from the Roosters, for they went back to back. They started that 2018 season quite poor. A lot of people were saying, oh, Teddy wasn't the right signing, etc. Look what they were able to do. Um, Penrith Panthers, 2019, they finished 10th. That was the first year Ivan Cleary returned. Didn't freak out. Um, he pretty much said, like, you know, still, you know, believe in us, we are going the right way. And here's an interesting stat. So that season, they averaged 12,000 crowd. Next season, it dropped down to 5,500. Oh, COVID, of course. That, yeah, that's COVID related. Say, yeah. Disregard what I was going to say completely. I was going to say that would <laughs> indicate the fans stopped to believe. How could I forget there was a global pandemic? My bad. Yep. Sorry, guys. Um, so, yeah, 2019, they finished 10th. Then the next season, runners up first on the ladder. Season after that, second premiers last year, of course, first premiers. And they've only lost over the past three seasons eight games, um, not including this year, of course. Which is, you know, I'm not saying we're going to get to that level of success, but certainly the Penrith Panthers. I don't think there's any limitations to it. I I genuinely don't believe there's any limitations to getting to that level of success. No, I don't think there is either. But I I, I guess I make the point that um, success doesn't even have to look that sharp. Success for us could be finishing top four and giving ourselves every chance to, you know, go that one step further. Um, the Panthers are a remarkable side, and I just want to point out to fans that it was only 2019 they were missing the finals, but their fans were being told to believe because something special is coming. Um, so, yeah, Kennedy23, fantastic question, mate. Hopefully, uh, we weren't too biased, but you know we are. Uh, this one's from I'm Adam always going Brown. back in my team, man. No matter what, I'm always going to back in the team, and I genuinely believe in what I say. I'm not just, you know, talking nonsense just for the sake of it. I genuinely believe in what I say. 
And I think that's so important. I love that Steve Mitchell came out and said that this is our goal in the next, uh, or by 2030, visualization, it's really key. Mm -hmm. Final question here. This one's from Adam Brown. I'll throw to you straight away for this one. Uh, We actually sort of spoke about it a little bit when we spoke about the team list. It's where should AJ Brimson play long-term? Fullback, halves, bench, center. I remember Mel Meninga a few years ago said he thinks his uh, Brimo's best position is hooker. So there's certainly mm-hmm. some options for Brimo. Where would you play him? Uh, if personally, if I was the the coach, uh, I am getting nervous about the constant re-injuring of the the hamstring, the hammies, uh, and I think that. I personally would love him in the centres. You know, I think JC as that fullback and, and AJ into that centre role. He's a great defender. He's a really good defensive player. And obviously, we need that in the centres right now. Uh, and obviously, has that electric attack. You do lose a little bit of that elusiveness and that attack with him going to the centres. But uh, I do believe that if uh, we are to keep JC and also um, AJ, AJ, but then we've also got Keanu here, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, I... As long as AJ doesn't do his hammies again this year, or one of his hammies again this year, I would obviously keep him in the fullback. But if it happens again, I do worry about that injury continuously going in. The fullback role is something that is really, you know, uh, consistent with that kind of injury. So chuck him into the centers where he has to do a little less work, but also has a really significant impact there still. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I can't add too much more to that. I just echo it completely. I had him in my centers in my Titans predicted preseason side. A lot of people disagreed with that and said he's wasted there. And I completely agree with you. He is the fullback until he's not the fullback. And of course, by that, I mean, we need to consult him. We need to work an entire preseason with him into potentially the centers. If that's the way the club wants to go, uh, maybe that could also involve Shoppy uh, becoming a back road permanently. We've got a few different options there and left field options, but I just think uh, a spine that looks like Campbell, Foran, uh, of course, uh, Boyd, and then Verrills. Probably you were about to say nine. Ben Hunt, were you? You were about to say Ben Hunt just then, were you? <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. Um, I thought about it. Um, and then, of course, Brimo in the centres. It just gives us so much attacking spark and flair. And, of course, we see in rep games and rep teams, players like Luttrell, Turbo, typically fullbacks, move into that centre role and thrive. And more recently, at Clubland, I probably would point to Valentine Holmes as the best example, was playing on the wing, was playing at fullback, and really found a home at centre in recent years winning a Dallium Center of the Year. And I think Brimo's up to that. I think he's got the same skill level and talent that he could be um, Center of the Year if he works at that position. So, yeah, great question, Adam. Plenty of places he could play. Uh, but, yeah, Center is our long-term option, it appears. But, well, uh, as long much... as, yeah, just just as long, again, like you said, just to reiterate before people take that out of context, um, we believe he's fullback until we, he unfortunately gets a little bit if, if his injuries continue, then you put him into the centres where he can have just as much influence, in my opinion. That's it. I mean, we love Pramon. Yeah, we can't make that clear enough. He's our fullback until he's not our fullback. And that has to be, he's earned the right to, you know, to wear that jersey every week with what he's done for our club. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. Let's make that very clear for our viewers. We love you, Brumo. But that's all we've got time for on today's episode of the Gold Coast Titans Frontline. We will see you next week to recap that Tigers game and uh, preview our next week. Of course, the show is in its uh, infancy. It's still a very new show. So if you're watching this on YouTube or you want to send a DM to either Clarkie's Rugby League column, BKR Sport, or join our Facebook group, the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast, and provide us with any feedback, new segments you might like to see. We are completely open to that. We uh, we want this podcast to uh, be for the community and for the Titans fans, absolutely. Um, But with that being said, from me, thank you very much for tuning in and we hope to see you back here next week.
100%, man. And just, just before we do go as well, if you're here on the Gold Coast, Thursday, C-Bus, uh, 7.50 p.m., be there, Titans-Tigers. Let's get some good noise going there for the uh, for the support for our boys. That's the main thing. So we'll see you guys next week. But let's get around. Let's get this dub. Let's get this dub. Appreciate you guys. Go the Titans.